If I can set up that I can access information when and where I need it, it will be so much more valuable. Not only is it better for the consumer of the content, but we as content creators, we're perceived as more valuable because now they're getting it when we want. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello, and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci. And today, we are going to be talking about the future of content, and in particular, the future of content and its utilization in social media, and how the way that content is distributed and accessed up to this point has been disadvantageous to authors in particular. And To talk with us about how this is so and what the future holds that will be a lot better way of sharing content for authors and other experts of ideas going forward. I'm pleased to bring back to our show Mark Hirschberg. Now, Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. And he is also the creator of the Brain Bump app. Brain Bump aims to take the book beyond the pages it's contained in and make the content available to its audience in unprecedented new ways. So Brain Bump is also designed to help you retain what you read and hear from these carefully cultivated tips that are produced by writers, podcasters, and other content creators. Now, Mark's background has a long line of innovation to it, from tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and authentication systems. Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s, as well as in academia, with over a dozen patents to his name. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually, as well as his diverse Cufflink collection. So join me in welcoming Mark. Mark, welcome back to the Author's Corner. Thank you for having me. I had such fun last time I was here. I am so excited to be back. Well, I always have fun when you and I get a chance to sit down and chat. And today I'm particularly excited because we have uh, what I think is a really interesting topic that I'm very curious about and want to hear what you have to say is the future of content and how this new future that you're seeing unfold right before our eyes is going to impact authors. So maybe we could start off by... Maybe you could talk a little bit about what content has been so far so we can get a little basis for comparison. When we think about content, it really hasn't changed much in the past couple thousand years. 
Now, books have been around. They go back many thousands of years, some of the earliest books. Obviously, the technology has been incremental. I'm going to say not evolutionary. For a business model, printing press might have been. But the end product, the book we got, wasn't all that different. We, the consumer, didn't care if it was handwritten or printed. And books evolved. And now we have ebooks and audiobooks, which are kind of the same concept because all of these are linear. You go from start to finish. When we look at radio shows, TV, movies, videos, it's also very linear. You start at the beginning and you play through to the end. And that's what most media has been. But really what we started to see going back roughly 10, 15 years is finally we're able to encapsulate media in new ways. They're going to allow for new types of engagement from the audience. You could not efficiently publish a one-page book 50, 100 years ago. It wasn't cost-effective. On the internet, we can put out a one-page book. We can put out a one-sentence book, which we call a tweet. We can suddenly take our content. We can chop it up. We can do different things with it. We can allow different types of access and different types of revenue model. And so this is what's going to cause us as content creators to rethink our content, how to package, deliver, and distribute it. Wow. And so, oh my gosh, my brain is exploding right now. So (laughs) you have a tendency, our conversations always do that to me too. All right. So you had me at like a one tweet book or one line book. How are you defining book? That's a really good question. I have an article I wrote called The Book of Theseus. Now, those of you familiar with the ship of Theseus, you know it is a Greek philosophy question. Theseus was a man with a ship, came into port, needed repairs, and so they would replace some of the timber on the ship. I believe it was Plato who asked, what happens if you replace each part of the timber? Is that still the same ship? And obviously you can say, well, yes, it's still his ship and it looks the same. Or you can say no, because... Adam for Adam is technically different. It's an open philosophical question. Let's think about what is a book. Obviously, we know it when we see it. It's that thing with pages and it's probably bound. Okay, we all agree that's a book. What about workbooks? Books where you might write in and interact. Sure, that's a book too. Ebooks and audiobooks? Well, there's no paper or binding, but okay, we're going to say that's a book. Most people would say, yes, it's a book in a different format. Well, now let's start to put a few of these things together. If an ebook is a book, well, now let's imagine those early versions of ebooks that were HTML pages. And so now I have a bunch of HTML pages and they're all hyperlinked. So now it's still, oh, kind of an ebook. I think that's a book, but I can start jumping around the hyperlinks and moving around different ways. Oh, we said workbooks are books. So what if those pages maybe have those little forms that we can fill out? Mm -hmm. And we know there are choose-your-own-adventure books. We'd all agree. That's a book where I make a decision and I have a different path (laughs) than you might take in the book. Well, so now if I have these HTML pages and I put in answers in the workbook and I have my choose-my-own-adventure based on my answer or choices or things I click, I have a different path through this ebook than you do. Well, that's software. 
that's my tax software because I fill out a form and I put in certain answers. Yes, I have dependents <laughs> or no, I didn't sell a business. And you put in different answers and we have different paths through the system. But we just said each of these was a book. Filling out a form counts and having hyperlinks, that's all a book. So where is the line between, well, it's a book with pages and binding to it's a set of content that we can move through to meet our needs? Wow. So that's kind of redefine. How would you define author in this context? People who create content. And it could be the content itself. Here's the ideas, the words on the page, or we could think of images or other things. But it could also be the people who help get you through this ocean of content, who help create what are the pathways. And so the lines definitely blur. Yeah, it's really interesting. And so one of the things that you said to me as we were talking about um, having this conversation was that I'm paraphrasing, but you know, the social media doesn't really work. And it seems like, especially for authors, for content creators, or at least non-visual content. That's how I heard it. Well, anyway, why don't I stop butchering it and you tell us what you meant? <laughs> when you think about thought leaders, and I'm referring to people who probably have business books or experts in their field, they're selling ideas. Now, when you think about social media, there's different types. There's TikTok and Twitter and Facebook. And sure, LinkedIn, for example, is a little more about substantive text. Instagram, we think of more for images. And if you're a model or a chef, Instagram is great. Put up beautiful pictures and you do well. But we know, for example, even in Twitter, in Facebook, I think even LinkedIn, images help sell. It Absolutely. makes the post more popular. Yeah. We have to come with images. And for people like myself, I have a business book, The Career Toolkit. It's not a very visual book. When we talk about networking, I can go pull down a stock photo of people shaking hands. <laughs> but that's different than look at the beautiful cake I made because I'm a cake artist. Well, I want to interject here. This is exactly why I have apparently 300 followers on Instagram and I've never done one post because I just don't work in a very visual field. I mean, I'm sure I could have come up with something like a book cover. <laughs> But I've just always felt like I don't have anything that pretty, you know? Yeah. Anyway, continue. So I'm really resonating with what you're saying. It's reflecting my own experience as far as that goes. It's not optimized for us. And mm -hmm. that's not wrong. Yeah. Hammers and saws are optimized for different things. Right. But when you think about the usage model of Instagram and frankly, Twitter and Facebook and these others, they want you to be scrolling through. They want to keep you engaged. And that means looking at pictures and flipping. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see the picture. I get what they're saying. And having to read a couple sentences here, a couple sentences there, that's not the engagement model. So these tools really aren't designed for thought leaders like ourselves, like most of your audience. When you think about that's one of the issues. Now, then there's two others. One is the nature of content exposure, because these are temporally oriented services. They order it by time. Now, if you are putting out your latest idea, if you're a political commentator, fantastic, because no one's talking about what happened 18 months ago. Right. <laughs> Many thought leaders, yeah. if you're a business leader, if you teach businesses how to scale, that advice is evergreen. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges is that you have to constantly put out new content. Oh, I haven't posted this week. I got to come up with something. 
Because if they see you haven't posted in a month, they think you're done, you're inactive. And the flip side, of course, is when you put out a good idea six months ago, it disappears. It's buried, yeah. Unless you said something so horrific, people are now trying to cancel you. No one's looking at your own purse. <laughs> and even somebody who's looking for it probably is going to have trouble finding it. Because the tool isn't optimized for finding. There is a search, but it's not optimized for really yeah, finding the content. It's, it's tough and to so find we, old posts. Yeah. We just constantly have to generate new content, new content. And really what it comes down to is the inherent push model of social media. So what I mean is we as content creators say, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to go post on social media at 3 p.m. today. I'm going to push it out. And maybe I push out a post on leadership today. Goes to my audience. Now, some of them won't see it because they're doing other things today. Some of them will see Pictures on Instagram. (laughs) Exactly. Some might see and say, Mark, that sounds really great. But you know what? Right now, I'm trying to fundraise for my company. That's what I'm focused on. Leading is not an issue. So this isn't relevant. And four months from now, they've raised their money. Now they've got a leadership challenge, but they're not going to remember what I wrote. And so I missed the target because all I can do is broadcast to my whole audience and just hope it sticks with some of them. But now imagine we flip it on its head. Imagine a poll model. Imagine a model where you say, I have a leadership challenge. I want to pull in leadership advice that is relevant and timely for me today. And four months ago, I wanted funding advice. I want to pull that in that's relevant and timely. So social media is this push orientation, but consumers in the future will want a pull orientation. And the reason this is going to start to change, if you think inherently, broadcast is the cheapest form of transmission. So I just put it up and hit everyone, right? Broadcast TV, it's on 8 p.m. And you don't make plans with friends because you don't want to miss I Love Lucy. (laughs) Now, of course, what do we have? We have DVRs and we have video on demand so I can watch it when I'm in the mood to watch Mm -hmm. I Love Lucy. And we're going to see that with other forms of content as well. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And so you're saying we're going to see that with books, and including all this, however broadly we want to define books. When you think about books, again, first we know people often don't finish a whole book. This is true. I'd like to think they do. I like to think they don't read mine, but they don't. And so that means, well, they're more likely to read the earlier parts of the book than the later parts. Because which they're going. May or may, yeah, may or may not be relevant. Beginning to end. Yeah, very good. In fact, even if you think about books, you and I might both read a book, but we come in with different experience levels. I might need those first three chapters just to have the context. And you're a chapter and a half into it thinking, this is useless. I know all this. And you want to jump ahead. Well, can you? Or will there be things referenced back? It's not always clear. Mm-hmm. That's one of the challenges that we have. And then, of course, one of the other challenges. Where you read information isn't where you need information. Mm. Consider in my book, I have a chapter on networking. Where are you going to read that? Sitting on your couch. You're going to, okay, networking tips. Hey, great, fantastic. Oh, this is so good. And then you forget them all. And two (laughs) months later, you're off at the conference and you're about to walk into the conference room and you're thinking, I need those networking tips right now. (laughs) But you're not carrying my book with you. So we have to make the content context relevant 
Oh Which my god! I'm just picturing someone trying to like have like your book and two other books on networking and like you know, carrying it around with their cocktail. You're right; it wouldn't work. Continue. We okay. need to make our content contextually relevant. Consider when we talk about the future and all the high tech stuff, and we think about VR, AR, virtual reality, augmented reality, when they talked about things Google Glass could do. Now, there were sociological issues why Google Glass itself failed, but we like the idea of the future that if I run into you on the street, I've got my Google Glass and I can't remember your name and there it is. And what are the names of your kids? Well, there it is. And recent things you've done so I can be relevant or reminding me, oh, maybe you said you were sick recently. So I know to ask, oh, how are you doing? I'd love to have that contextually relevant information. And we know that's the future we'd like to see. But the same thing happens with our books. I've read all these books over my lifetime. I remember some of them. And even the ones I remember, I might not remember at the right time or place. Right. So if I can set up that I can access that information when and where I need it, it will be so much more valuable Mm -hmm. and it will resonate better. Not only is it better for the consumer of the content, but we as content creators, we're perceived as more valuable because now they're getting it when we want. If I tweet a hundred times in a row, but it's just not relevant to my audience. Like, this guy, Mark, is just filling up my feed. But if I have just 10 tweets that are at the right time and place, that audience member will get so much more value and think better of me and my brand with a more limited number of contextually relevant pieces of information. All right. So now I have to ask, how on earth, because we can't do it on Facebook, we can't do it on Twitter, We certainly can't do it on Instagram. So how does this get to our phone or to our, I mean, is this what you're talking about? Are we going to see this on our handheld devices? It sounds like it if we're at the cocktail party. I think the phone is a natural place because it's always on us. It's easier to carry that phone than that stack of three or four books. That's true. (laughs) It's awesome. Here's the other key piece. We need it to be easily accessible. Mm -hmm. I take notes on the books I read. But I rarely go back and look at them. Yep. And even if they're in a Google Doc, I'm not going to sit there right before I walk into that conference room <laughs> or that cocktail party and go, okay, wait, let me pull up the Google Doc and let me flip through <laughs> and try and scroll and find it. Right. So we need it to be easily accessible on the order of seconds, not tens of seconds, certainly not minutes. Right, right. That's the future. Now, I create an app to do this, but my app, I think, is going to be the first of many out there. Well, I've been talking about this is, I believe, the future. This is the next 10, 20 years. And we're going to see just a whole wave of applications, of software, of things on our phone, of tools that will make it more relevant. The first one out there, I think mine is one of the first, the Brain Bump app, where what we do is we take ideas from books, blogs, podcasts, talks, classes. It's all ideas. They're just being delivered in different formats. We take those key ideas. We put it into the app and then the user, the app user can select from books that she's reading or maybe one she hasn't read, but so, well, that looks interesting. Let me go explore that. So you pull down books, blogs, podcasts, all different sources, as many as she likes. And in there, you have all the key ideas, typically about one to three sentences in length, something you'd highlight in a book, something you might tweet out. 
Hmm. And they're all in there. They are tagged. So think like hashtags on social media. We have them categorized. So five minutes before you walk into that event, you pull out the app and you just go to the networking tag. And there you go. There's all the networking tips. If there are specific ones that you wanted to recall, well, you can use the favorites and you can have them saved. So you can go pull them up instantly as you need it. So each bit of content is just like a little tweet length kind of bit of content? Yeah. I think of the app as a cross between a flashcard app, Mm. a daily affirmation app, Mm. and a book summary app. Okay. And so it takes the ideas, so it's like a book summary app, but puts into these smaller bits. They're almost like flashcard sized, except it's not done as a Q&A. It's just, there you go. There's a tip because we're not quizzing you on it. Right. But now here's the other key piece. When we think about when we need this content, there's two modes of access. One is just in time. It's getting those networking tips right before you do that. But there's another type of content that you might need that's not as maybe time sensitive. If, for example, I am a new manager, just got promoted, first time managing, there's a whole bunch of things I need. And I'm not always going to know two minutes before the meeting, what's the thing I have to look up. I just need to keep these new ideas top of mind. Now we know spaced repetition works. That's the best way to learn things. Fancy name for look at something more than once. (laughs) As I noted, for myself and the research I did, even people who take notes on their books rarely go back and look at them again. Mm -hmm. We're one and done. Mm -hmm. So we want to expose the users of my app and of some of these other ones we're creating in the future, have them expose the idea over and over. But remember I said access, quick access is key. No one's going to open the app each day. So this is where the daily affirmation piece comes in. The app is set up so it pushes one of these ideas based on the topic or topics you set at a time you set. Mm. So it might be 9 a.m., you get advice on managing or leading as you walk into the office, and each day you see something Mm. that stays top of mind. It might be that at 5 p.m., you get advice on your marriage. So as you head home, <laughs> keep in mind what's going to keep your spouse happy. And as you right. see this over and over, it starts to stay top of mind. Now, if you set this to go, is, do you get different advice every day or is it okay? Different advice. Just- so you will, you'll either set it to, I want advice from this podcast or this class, or you might say, I want advice on this topic, let's say happy marriage. And frankly, I don't care if it's your book or her podcast or his blog. And so I can download all those sources as long as they have the tag on that topic or topics I choose. I just want advice. And each day I will get a different one. And by that repeated exposure, two things happen. The app user better retains it. But now the content creator, here's what happens. You're now delivering value that is contextually relevant. It is useful. It's being asked for, not the, well, I tweeted a hundred times. I hope people saw it and remember. Right. Boom, right there. They saw the advice. They see your brand. They'll okay. see the name of your book, podcast, blog. And so they'll see it and associate it with you. And now you get that repeated brand exposure. And that helps take people through the know, like, love process. Mm. Because when we think about our books, as you've pointed out, 
you're probably not getting rich selling your book. Right. Your book <laughs> starting point that will then expose them to your brand where they'll buy your other products and services. The problem is once they close the last page of your book, they're not thinking about you again. So this gets them reminded of you in a subtle way that provides value to them. It helps with word of mouth marketing and it helps build your brand equity. Very cool. So from the content creator standpoint, how do they interact with your app and how does a content creator get involved and get onto your platform? Unlike book summary apps, we are content creator friendly. I know from my research, what a lot of authors say is those book summary apps, they took my book, they summarized it, half of it's wrong. That's not really what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And frankly, someone's going to read that summary and then they're never going to buy my book. (laughs) And that's not good. We work with content creators. I will not take your content without your permission. You need to put your content on there. And so what you do is you put the key points from your content onto the server. Now, we make it easy. We give you a spreadsheet where you can just upload it. The easiest ways to do this, those who have electronic books, let's say Kindle books, you can go through your Kindle book and highlight in Kindle, or some people have their VAs do it. I know some people will hire someone off of Upwork or Fiverr. It's usually around $20 or $30. They go through the PDF or the Kindle, highlight and export those. And there you have in the spreadsheet, you can upload to the server. What we find, and if you have blog posts, same thing. Someone can go through, find those. If you have a podcast, a lot of things. Some people already have quotes from their podcasts that they already put on social media. So it's organizing those. Sometimes they have to generate the transcripts you put into the audio transcription services, and then you go through and pull them out. Mm. It's typically a few hours of work. So we know it inverts social media. So just like the experience for the app user is different. It's that pull, not the push. Now here we recognize it's a couple hours of work. It's typically about one to four hours to get this set up. Mm. But then here's the nice thing. We mentioned on social media, I have to tweet again. I have to post again because I haven't done it in a few weeks. Where the reverse, once you do this initial work, you're done. I put the highlights from my book onto the platform. I never have to go back because I know each day the people who are interested in the content from my book download it and they're getting what is contextually relevant to them with no additional effort on my part. So we're generally one and done. Although people with podcasts and blogs Well, typically each episode takes 30 seconds to add the latest tips from that post or that episode. So what constitutes a tip? Like, are you looking for like 140 characters or is it a few lines? Like, what is the optimal size of the bite? (laughs) We're still learning what's going to resonate best with our audience. Right now, we're thinking it's about one to three sentences in length. Mm -hmm. It's that idea. It's what you'd highlight in the book. We're not limiting you to 104 characters. We give you a lot more characters, probably more than we should, but (laughs) I don't want to restrict it. If it turns out it's the thousand character long tips that everyone loves, that's helpful. But so we give you a lot of flexibility in what's there. The key thing is that idea. It's that actionable takeaway that they want to remember. The way I think about it is if you had a bakery You can post flyers around the neighborhood and say, come to my bakery, it's really great. But you can also stand out front and give those free samples, give those little (laughs) broken cookie pieces. And someone goes, wow, this is delicious. I want more. 
<laughs> and I think of this as those free samples where I go, wow, great advice. You know what? I need to go sign up for her class now. I need to go engage and get on her mailing list. Mm-hmm. So these are the free samples that really entice people. Yeah, I love that analogy. That makes a lot of sense. And I would think, though, it would probably, I mean, I know you've just recently launched, but you've already got lots and lots of people on there and using it, which is great. Are you starting to get any data on like the optimal length of an entry or is it just too soon? I know it's only been like six weeks or so or something like that since you. Yeah, it's a little soon. I think we don't have enough data. And because we're getting this high growth, yeah, it may even be people came from one source versus another. So right, we're going gonna... right. to... Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll as, be really as, interesting to see. Yeah. As you know, my background is actually building tech startup companies. Yes. And so what I've learned from doing this is keep it as open as possible. Let the community itself drive the direction. And we're a double-sided community of content creators and content consumers. We want to make sure both are happy. And so I'm going to try to put as little as possible in terms of restrictions or constraints and then see where it goes and then start to offer guidelines. In fact, one of the things that we do, I mentioned we tag content. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that really drives me nuts on social media, and I think a lot of other people too, is what's the hashtag? Do I want lead, leading, leader, leadership, <laughs> leader? I have to search through six different hashtags or I have to tag right? my thing. Totally. Place. Yeah. One of the things we do is we have our recommended terms. So ah, we say leadership. Okay. This is what we yeah. recommend. Now, we will not restrict you. If you really want to say leaders, right? you leaders. Okay. Women in leadership, that's not, we only have so many tags. So women in leadership, well, that's not one. Great, use that. Yeah. But you can violate the tags, especially if you have a book and one of your chapters is called leading, well, then use that to be brand consistent. We're right. not going to stop you. So we try to create tools to make it easy, but we don't want to restrict because we want to see how it grows naturally. But I like the idea of having those recommended tags because then it makes you more findable, right? If also your consumers are aware of your sort of the standard tag categories, or is that just up to the consumer to fall in, fall into those? Or does it match up with like a like term or something like that? When you download content sets, so each content set has the tags associated with it. Right. And on the app, I will have access to the sum total of all the tags from all the content set I download. So I don't even need to think about which one I want. I can look and I'll see, oh, it's leadership. Or I see leading and leadership. I'll just click both and have both come up. I see. Okay. So the the content user is going to be shown whatever tags are available. Exactly. And just by trying to keep in as much as is reasonable, again, we want the content creators to be brand consistent, keep that consistent. If they all see, oh, he recommends leadership, we're going to see most of them are going to use leadership and the app consumer, the app user... Okay, leadership, I guess that's the tag. I'll go with that one. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then they're going to see everything that's under that from all the creators. Exactly. They'll also see (laughs) Happy Marriage because you downloaded a podcast on marriage. (laughs) And then do people have a way to like favorite certain experts where they find that they consistently get value from a particular expert or how does that work? 
Right now, we allow favoriting at the tip level. We don't yet have it at the content level. We're still relatively new. And again, we want to see how people are using it to decide. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, of course, you've just got me very curious now, you know, so I'm asking. We do on the back end, though, we give a lot of insights into the content creators. So you will see not only your engagement at the content level, how many people have installed your content when they've installed it but we show engagement with your tips. Now I'll note, because I have a background in tech and actually I do cybersecurity, privacy is very big for me. We are not tracking individual users. Down the road, we'll give users a chance to opt in, say to sign up for your mailing list, but they'll always be opt-in. We don't track individual users. We're not taking their data, but we do show engagement with your content. So you can see for a given tip, how many people have favorited that tip, how Mm -hmm. often people have shared your tip on different social media channels. Interesting. And you might note, for example, well, the most popular tips based on shared or favorites, they all seem to have this same tag, or they all seem to be about this topic. And that's going to tell you what's resonating with your audience. So for future blog posts or podcasts, or even books you write, you know what's working. I was going to say, what a great way to test your book content even before your book is written or published. And that's another way is when you think about the outline of your book, if you take a few kind of those key takeaways for each of the points in your skeleton, put up there and see what resonates. And if you notice some of them are very popular, well, then write more about that or pull out ones that aren't. And it's a great way you can test it with your audience because you can put on the app and say, everyone, just go download the app, look through my tips, favor the ones you like, and you get that instant feedback. Really awesome stuff and so exciting. And I cannot believe we've already used up most, most of our time. So I guess let's make sure not to let you go before you've told us how do people find BrainBump and get involved? If you go to brainbumpapp.com, all one word, brainbumpapp.com. It's a one-page website that will take you to the Apple and Android stores where you can download the app to try it for yourself. But of course, we're growing all the time, not only with the users, but we're adding more content because here everyone wins more users, more content, better for everyone overall. So for content creators, people with books, blogs, podcasts, classes, or talks, If you're interested, there is a form at the bottom. Go to the bottom of the page and click that link and that you fill out a quick form. I get your email information and then we can jump on a call and talk about getting your content onto the app. Well, fantastic. And I think you've definitely come to the right place with your return visit to the author's corner. Uh, (laughs) Because I bet you there'll be a lot of listeners who would be very interested in learning more. And so, you know, I have to wrap this up with my favorite final question, which is, what did I not ask you today that you would love to answer? One more of my favorite features about the app, which is we use QR codes extensively. Now, QR codes used to be, they came out years ago and jumped the shark and no one liked them. But now that we've gone through COVID, everyone knows them. (laughs) And so we use extensively because we make it easy for people to access the app and the content. So one of my favorite features, each content set 
on the server. So each book you put up or podcast or blog, you get a QR code. And what's great is you can share either the link or the QR code that corresponds to it to your audience. And all they have to do is snap it and they instantly add your content. So one of the things I love to do as an author, I give a lot of talks. So I do the talk. And at the end, we always have that slide that says, you know, thank you. Here's my contact info. At the end, I say, by the way, do you want to remember everything you just learned in this talk? Okay. Pull out your phone, snap. They'll snap once and download the app because they probably don't have it yet. Then they snap that very same QR code with the app and instantly installs my book and all the advice. So then a week later, the person who brought me in will often call and say, Mark, your talk was incredible. It's been a week and everyone is still talking about it. Oh, wow. Not that I'm a genius. It's that I've now seated them (laughs) that they get reminded every day. But the person who brought me in, who was in the room when I told everyone to do this, forgot that. And she thinks I'm amazing. And that helps extend my brand within that audience. That's incredible. And that makes her the hero, right? And every person who's booking speakers, you know, that's their ultimate goal, right? Is that everybody's still buzzing about the speaker. So exactly. Everybody wins. We We continue the buzz after your book, after your podcast, after your talk, we continue the buzz for your brand. Fantastic. Mark, thank you so much for coming here today, updating us on the future of content. And not only have you identified the limitations and problems, but you've brought us a fantastic solution. So once again, thanks for being with us on The Author's Corner. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.